Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. We thank Sean this morning. It's always wonderful to hear from him as we kick this off. Are we ready to go, church? If you have a Bible this morning, would you open it up to the book of Luke, chapter 5. The book of Luke, chapter 5, and we're going to hang out there a, a little bit. But I just want to say and, and commend everybody here with everything in light of what's going on. We want to, man, I'm, I'm proud of you for being in church today, right? There's a lot of people, and, and I'd even say like this. Usually we want to tell people, like, I said this at the beginning of service, but we all show up to service on time, right? I'm kidding. I'm joking. Um, I said this before we start worship, but we usually want people to like pile into the middle and sit close and everything. But in light of everything going on, man, we're, we're cool if you go sit on the back wall, on the couches. We can listen from the playground outside or whatever it is if we want to distance out. But can we, I just want to say we are glad you're here. It's the ninth. I know some of us missed last Sunday, but could you even turn to someone, shout out Happy New Year, right? It's still, it's still okay to say that. This is our second service of the week. And Man, it is January 9th, 2022. We are ready to rock. And can we also, there are a lot of people. I mean, we've had it with our school, and I'm sure each of us know someone who's struggling with sickness right now. There are a lot of people staying home and watching. So can we watch those, uh, welcome those folks as well and just say hello? Yeah. Um, it is a, an interesting time, but as Sean had said, we are kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting here at Cornerstone, and not only here at Cornerstone, but actually all around the world, believe it or not. You may not know this, but we are a part of what is called the Foursquare Church Denomination, the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel, and our entire denomination is doing the same. And I'll, as we begin this message, um, do you have your notes, do you have your, your smartphone, do you have your pen and paper, whatever it is, I want to build on this idea today that spiritual growth you ready for it? It's not automatic. You hear me, church? Spiritual growth, it's not automatic. A lot of times we, we fall into the trap just because we show up, just because we may attend, right? The Bible doesn't say if, if you listen to, to my commands, right? Jesus actually says something like this. He says, if you do what I say, meaning you have to practice what it is that we listen to, right? Spiritual growth, it's not Automatic, And I don't want us as a church to walk into 2022 thinking that it's just something that is easy, that just happens. You know, we, you, you, you might know someone who you see in church all the time. You would definitely, like, agree that they are a Christian. You think, you know, they love the Lord. They have a relationship with Jesus. And yet you might know this person, and it seems like this person is just always surrounded by conflict. Right? You ever, you ever know anyone like that? Have you met someone like that? It seems like they're just involved in more conflict, more hearsay, more gossip, wh whatever it is. They're just involved in, in more of that stuff than the average person, even though they attend church a lot. Well, here's the reason why uh, conflict can be a sign of spiritual immaturity. As I said, if you're not spiritually mature just because we attend church, right? 
Um, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 11. He spoke about people who were acting like children in the market, shouting at each other, right? We're not talking about a specific age to reach spiritual maturity. We can be of any generation, of any, any age, and still be an immature Christian, right? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, he, he says, I've been, we, we're treating people like babies because they haven't matured enough to eat solid food, right? He speaks about uh, spiritually, spiritually being so young that you're still, you, you enjoy milk more than solid food. We had a birthday party last night for my little nephew, Mr. Beckham, and he turned one years old, and we did the whole thing with the cake, and you stick the cake in front of a little kid, and you just see what happens, right? And you just root for them to stick their face in it, and they smile. Well, it's interesting, you know, how, how quickly that time goes, but just in one year, this kid goes from, you know, wanting that bottle, right, wanting that milk, to now, like, get that away from me. I want the cake. I want the meat. I want the crackers. I want, I want the good stuff, right? He's maturing that quickly already. Well, spiritually, it's the same thing. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3 that I have to treat people like babies because you are so immature that you can't eat solid food. Sadly, and this applies to me, and this applies to you today, maybe jot this down in your notes, if you would. The greatest barrier to God's work in me and through me is me. Did you hear that, church? The greatest barrier to God working in me and through me is me. Sadly, you are the greatest barrier to God's work in your life. It applies to me. Like, I'm my own greatest barrier. Because spiritual maturity, spiritual growth takes commitment. It takes work. Here's, we're going to start out the new year, and Sean kind of spent some time speaking about what we are doing as a church. And even as, you know, we, we, we talk about pastors being a type of leader or a type of spiritual coach, um, we, we are, are walking into this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And here's how I want us to begin. I want us to begin with what I would call a spiritual reset. A spiritual redo, a spiritual start over, a spiritual reset by doing these four things. Committing 2022 to doing these four things. Here's the first one. Would you jot this down? The first thing I want you to do, right? If, if my role is anything of a spiritual coach, then how many of you know, like, like uh, it's kind of a weird thing, but like that's what we talk about, right? I want us to begin each day by putting God first. Would you write this down, number one? Every day, it can be quiet time, it can be a morning prayer time, it could be morning devotional time. I love to listen to some devotions in my car. I love drive time devos, right? Um, it can be the first part of your day, it's saying this, God, I want to seek you. The first part of every day, 365, I want to spend time with you, right? You might be an early riser, you might already have that, that, you might already have that time, right? A lot of times for me, it's in my car, that's where I do it. But seek God the first part of the day. Number two, here's the second thing I want us to practice in 2022. Seeking God the first part of my week. That means with my worship. Turn to someone on your left and say worship. Turn to someone on your right and say it a little louder. More annoying, right? No, I'm kidding. Just, just wake them up, right? We're doing that right now just by being here, right? And some of us, you might be like, like oh man, I'm checking these boxes off. Right? A lot of these things you're going to find like, you're already probably doing some of them. That's why we are here. The first part of each week, I'm going to be here. 
I'm going to seek God with my worship. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to be present, right? Um, you know, today there's many ways we can be present. There's really no excuse anymore for missing church on Sundays, right? You can be sicker than uh, sick. You can be out of town. You can be on vacation. And there is nothing stopping you from picking up that phone and tuning in with us on a Sunday morning, right? Or catching up with us on a Tuesday night. So that's how we can make God the first part of our week, by worshiping Him at the beginning of the week and making it a point to not miss. You want to see God do something new in this year. Here's the, here's, here's the way to do it. Number three, I'm going to put God first in my month. And one of the ways, and the greatest way I can think of this as well, some of us maybe, this is a spiritual discipline that gets put on the back burner sometimes, but it's just as important as anything else because God wants us to trust in Him in every single area of our lives. God wants to remind us of who the provider is for us, where we get our provision. One of the ways we can do this, the first part of our month is through our tithe. It's through our giving, right? Some of us, I'm amazed that sometimes people can be in church as long as they are, and for whatever reason, they don't trust God with their finances. You know, you only believe the parts of the Bible you actually do, right? As we seek God the first part of our month, it means to me, like, we're going to tithe. Some of you are like, man, I checked all three of these boxes already. How did you do all three of those? That's awesome, right? Perfect. That's, 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 that we're in a good spot, right? I know for me, some of the greatest blessings I began to see in my life is when I learned the discipline of giving. I learned how to trust in God. I remember my first job, um, some of you might look at pastors like, you guys have it all figured out, you have it all together. I got to tell you, I didn't learn how to tithe until I was in my early 20s, right? I felt, I was like, man, I make $18,000 a year. I'm broker than broke, broke, broke. I got no money, right? I, 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 got no, I got no money. I can't even pay the rent. And I remember someone challenged me. They said, man, I see you walk in to work with a coffee every day. I see you walk in with some McDonald's coffee. I, you have enough money for that, right? And I remember my first gift that I gave God, it, it wasn't like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. The first thing I trusted him with was $5. That was my first tithe. It was a $5 tithe that I set up monthly. And as time went by, I began to trust him a little bit more, and I would gradually increase it and increase it. But the idea behind it is trusting in God to be our provider, right? Spiritual maturity. And here's the fourth one. I'm going to put God first. This is what we're doing right now in my year. I'm going to put God first in my year by fasting. We're going to kick off 2022 with 21 days of prayer and fasting. The first of the year, we're going to fast. We're going to seek God. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to devote time to Him. We're going to cut something out of our life, right? Sean said it very well. I don't know that I need to go back and explain it, right? It can be food. Often it is. I encourage you to make it some type of food, right? Someone joked with me like, man, you should think about giving up fast food. I'm like, for the rest of my life, right? I, I agree, right? It could be somebody's going to like really, really feel convicted on this one. I heard Sean say coffee. Oh, shame. That can't be of God. No, I'm kidding, right? Shame, shame the devil, right? Like somebody was like, if you ask me to give up coffee, Lord, I, I, have, I will become someone else, right? But as, as we get into this, we're going to devote time to fasting, to praying, and seeking God. And some of you might be like, man, I, I do all three of these all the time. I just haven't checked that fourth one in a while. And I want to tell you, like, that's a really, we haven't done it as a church body in a while. 
But we have a message, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to play it in just a moment. Even a, a message, this is a message from President, also Pastor, Pastor Randy Remington. And this is who our spiritual coach is, right? A lot of times you think like, who, well, you got a church, you got a team, you got a principal, you got pastors, who's over them? Well, at the very top of who is over us, we have district representation, we have a supervisor. But then on a national level, this guy is the president of our denomination. He is the big boss, he is the president. And here is what he is calling us to do on a national level, a global level, but on a local level. And so we are going to follow his lead as we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. Can we watch this video from our president, Randy Remington? I'm going to continue. For the last several years, the Foursquare Church has set aside 21 days um, at the beginning of each new year to pray and fast together. Um, this is an opportunity for us to come together in agreement. Um, it's an opportunity for us to just with intentionality center our hearts and our thoughts uh, on Jesus as the Lord of the church and the Lord of the harvest. It's an opportunity to stand in a place of intercession on behalf of others and to lay hold in faith uh, for what God wants to do in and through our lives and ministries. And it's also a place and opportunity for there to be spiritual renewal um, in our own lives personally. And so we want to invite you to join us as we um, use the Lord's Prayer this year as a template for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And at foursquare.org, we have some resources that will help equip you for this time of fasting and prayer, some videos, um, some prayer guides for each day um, that are organized around each theme and emphasis uh, in the Lord's Prayer and how that applies to the targets and how we're, we're, we're intentionally praying in our focus each day. Um, as well as just some guides on fasting, um, just some, some helpful tools that will just really resource us as we pray together. We believe that to the degree that we pray, we see God move. Um, we believe that the last couple of years have been challenging years, uh, but we've also seen God at work. And we believe that God wants to do something significant in and through our lives and places of ministry and wherever he sends us on mission in this next year. And so on January 10th, through the 31st, we're going to set aside 21 days to pray and fast together in one heart and in one accord and with expectancy, see God do really miraculous things in our midst in this new year. There we go. As you can see, um, really this is to me a, a modern day moment where we are living out and practicing Joel chapter 1 verse 14. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. It might be on the handout. But would you read this scripture with me? And this is really what Pastor Remington has done and what we are going to do here at Cornerstone and at many four-square churches around the country and around the world. Announce a time of fasting, the Bible says. Call together the people for a solemn meeting. I love that it says it doesn't call everybody together for a concert, for a big, right? It says, call the people together for a solemn meeting, meaning it's time to get serious about something. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord, your God, and cry out to him there. And that's what we are going to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you're 
wondering what it is God's calling you to pray about and to fast about over the next 21 days. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe God's calling you to fast about a financial situation. Maybe it's a, a friend or a relationship that is broken. Maybe it's someone that you know that is far, far, far from Christ. Maybe God is calling you to, to fast and pray for our Foursquare movement or our church as God stirs up new things in us and through us during this season. Maybe God is calling you to fast and repent of something, right? Maybe there's something that you've been dealing with for a long time that you need God to, you, you, you need to hear from Him, but you also need to press into His presence and allow Him to break that, that chain, whatever it is that you have been dealing with. This fasting, it's a biblical principle, as we talk about it, um, I don't know how long you've been in church, but it's a, it's a principle that you'll find in the Old Testament, and it's a principle that you will find in the New Testament. Quite often, really, um, where actually we deny ourselves food, usually, so that we can spend time seeking God. In the Bible, there were one-day fasts. There were three-day fasts. You know, we have 21 days. You, even if you don't have it figured out, yes, we're starting tomorrow. People all around the country will be starting tomorrow. But, you know, maybe it's something where you're like, God, I'm still praying about it. God, show me what it is you're wanting me to sacrifice. So in that time, I can focus more on you. But there's three-day fasts. There's seven-day fasts. Even in Scripture, a couple times, it's recorded, and, and Jesus being one of them, that, that he went on a 40-day fast, right? And I know, like, and, and clearly, if there's health issues and different things going on, we are, we are not asking you to fast food for 40 days, right? We want you here in 2022. But the Bible talks about fasting a lot, but it's giving up a craving. It's giving up something in the physical to seek God and ask Him to do something in the spiritual. Do you hear that, church? That's what really, in essence, that's what fasting is. So it can be your Facebook, it can be your TikTok, it can be whatever it is. It's giving something up in the physical to see God move and meet a need in the spiritual. It's getting a little bit more serious about things. That's what fasting is. That's what our leadership, from the top down, from our president, on a national, global level, to us on a local level, level, that's what he is asking us to do. Well, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 5, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's see what Scripture has to say. There's a, an interesting encounter in Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 27, and we're going to work our way all the way through verse 39. There was a man named Levi. We know him as Matthew, the tax collector. Um, tax collectors were not the most liked individuals. They weren't the most highly uh, thought of people in society. Let's read about this in verse 27. Do you have it? You with me? All right, let's jump through some scripture, folks. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. We know him as Matthew. He was sitting at the tax office, and Jesus said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. This Matthew, this Levi, this tax collector in that culture, I don't know who we would give this label to in our culture today, but he was considered a traitor, a Benedict Arnold. He was a dislikable person because he was a man who made his living collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman government. 
right? The, 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 he, he spent his time collecting taxes for the other guys. He spent his time ripping off his brothers. A lot of times, uh, tax collectors in that culture would collect more than they needed. They would collect more than they needed, and they would fill their pockets with money from their own brothers. It'd be like me just ripping you off, you ripping me off. They would, they would collect money and taxes from their own nation, from their own people. They would overcharge, and they would you know, basically fill their bags, so to speak. Yet it's interesting, Jesus didn't avoid this sinner. In some translations, um, tax collectors are called the, the scum, the sinner or the scum. Rather, I find it interesting that Jesus said, follow me, follow me. Let's look at verse 29. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd. This is pretty cool. Matthew didn't invite just a few people to a party. He got to know Jesus. He began to follow him. And it says there weren't a few people at the party. It, this drew a large crowd to the party. A large crowd of tax collectors. That's probably the only people he was friends with. Matthew's friend group probably consisted of the other people like him that were known as thieves, scum, and sinners. Right? Not a lot of people. I wouldn't want to hang out with somebody who's been ripping me off for years. Not a big fan, right? There was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. I think it's interesting, when you truly encounter Jesus, it's not enough to just quietly follow him, but it's interesting to me that Matthew throws a party. It says, it's almost like, you know, he gets to this point where he invites everyone, he's like, man, I'm just going to throw a party, I'm so excited, right? He makes a big deal out of him, and he wants, he throws a big party. He doesn't want just a few tax collectors and sinners and scum to get to know Jesus. He throws a large party. Verse 30, would you continue to read with me? But, here we go, these religious guys. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Like I said, some translations, the NLT translation says, Why do you eat with tax collectors and scum? Right? It's like a line out of Star Wars. They always said, you, right, you tax collector, and you, they use that word scum in Star Wars all the time. Right? But they have a concern that Jesus and his boys are hanging out with sinners and scumbags and tax collectors. And it shows that not only are they confused about Jesus and his mission, but they have a clear lack of understanding about their own mission. As people who follow God, they have a clear lack of understanding of what the heart of God was always about. Jesus came to show and express God's heart because when we see Jesus, when he came as a man, he seems to be more concerned about the spiritually sick. He looks to the people where he, he's like, man, I'm looking for people who have messed up. I'm looking for people who are ready to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm looking for people who say, you know what, I need to change, that I've messed up. Jesus came to, to basically, he came to restore relationship with God. He came to share that relationship with other people. These Pharisees, it's a term that we know a lot about and we've heard a lot about, but these religious folks, these Pharisees decided, it seems to me like they spend more time and more effort and they make it more important to quarantine themselves away from the sinner 
than to bring the sinner back to God. Do we see that in the New Testament a lot? Right? It seems like they make it a point to separate themselves and their good deeds and their good actions, and they seem to forget how important it is to actually invite people to change, to invite people to meet Jesus, to invite people to a relationship with God. Verse 31, if you're still with me, Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And here we go. They, anytime Jesus speaks, it seems like they always have to have a, a, a follow-up question. They always want to turn something into a debate, right? They, 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 they can't ever let him have the last word. So here's where they direct this conversation into this topic called fasting. Verse 33, then they said to him, John's disciples, referring to John the Baptist, they fast often and they say prayers. And those of the Pharisees, those of us, is what we could say, those Pharisees, we do the same. But your disciples, Jesus, look at the very last line of verse 33. Your disciples eat and they drink. These guys come to Jesus and say, man, Jesus, we fast, we show God, and we like to show people, is what we'll hear in a different verse, right? But we like to show people, and sometimes God, just how devoted we are. John the Baptist has his followers that they fast, but Jesus, what's up with you and your boys? Jesus, what's up with you and your buddies? It seems to me like you guys like to party. You guys, like, you guys, it says your disciples, Jesus, they show up to the party and they participate. They eat and they drink. Jesus seemed, it seems like as long as a party had opportunity, it seemed like as long as a party was done with intent, as long as that party served a purpose, it seemed like Jesus kind of liked to party. He liked to show up like the wedding. As long as it, it created an opportunity, it seems like Jesus went to where that opportunity was, doesn't it? And they said, Jesus, they're like, man, we must be more spiritual than your followers because we are fasting. And not only that, like you can almost pick up from this. They're like, this is crazy that they would even say this. But they're like, Jesus, we're more spiritual than you. Right? Because we're fasting. You guys are eating and drinking. And then Jesus, they say, man, our commitment, we're just more committed. Here's the fun fact about fasting. Only one time in Scripture is fasting required in the Bible. Did you know that? Maybe if you didn't, right, it's just a fun, fun statistic. You can put that down in your notes. Only one time is fasting required. Is it, is it mentioned as a requirement? It's in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 and verse 31. The Day of Atonement was going on, and in order to address the sin that was happening, there was this Day of Atonement fast that was required by the nation of Israel. One time. Isn't that interesting? Such a popular spiritual um, uh, uh, practice that only one time in the Bible was actually required. Every other time fasting is mentioned in the Bible, um, it is done on a voluntary basis. Interesting, right? It's, it's, it's done um, on a voluntary basis. It's not demanded by anyone. All the other fasts that were recorded in Scripture happened because there was a great need. Because there was a trial. 
because there was a great crisis going on. Every other fast recorded in the Bible was done because there was a great loss that had happened, a hurt, a need, a need so big that the people decided we got to come before the Lord and we got to do something to help us focus on prayer, to help us focus on our relationship, to help us get serious about what we want to see God do and how we want to see God move. Every other fast in the Bible is voluntary. The Pharisees, they come to Jesus. And it's actually recorded in that culture at this time. Um, the Pharisees made it so that it was a law that you had to practice fasting two times a week. They made it like this weekly thing. So it's like something that started off good in the book of Leviticus. These holy rollers, these Pharisees, these religious types, they began to make more and more rules to satisfy God. More and more rules to show just how good they are. And so what we see is a godly principle in the beginning. They add so much humanness to it. Where it no longer, this fasting is, is no longer about God, but it's about these men, these Pharisees, these religious people, showing others how good they are, how devoted they are to their king. They throw God's name into it, so it sounds good, right? And how many of us know we can do the same thing? We can, we can throw God's name into anything, and it sounds good. We can throw the name of Jesus out there, and it sounds good. But if it's just a ritual... If it's just a routine with a little bit of Jesus in it, how many of you know that's, that's not what the heart that God is looking for? Verse 34. Is it okay if we just peruse through Scripture this morning? Is that all right? We doing okay, 11? We doing all right? All right? You got your coffee ready to go? We'll be, we'll be kicking it into high gear here in a second. Verse 34, Jesus said to them, You can't make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Jesus says there's going to be a time where you need to fast. But I'm here. I'm at the party. You don't need to fast while the groom is here. And clearly they have no idea what he's referring to or what he's talking about. They're, they're like, what the, like, right? They, they have no idea what he is speaking. But verse 35, he says, there will come a time where you need to reset your life. There will come a time where you need to get serious, where this is going to take place. There, there is going to come a time where this fasting needs to be more about Him. There's going to be a time where life and your year and your season, your trial seems so overwhelming that you need to fast for a new beginning. That you need to fast and pray for a new beginning and a new assignment in that chapter. Verse 36 so he gets into his storytelling teacher mode. It's time to tell him a parable. He told him a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the old garment will not match the old. This piece from the old garment isn't going to match. In essence, you're not going to go down to Target or Walmart or whatever Dillard's nice store that you buy your shirt at, right? You're not going to go buy something new and then take your favorite old shirt and try to patch that together. It's just not going to match. 
Jesus, he's looking for these Pharisees. When he tells them this story, here's what I think he's looking for. Here's the response he's hoping for, yet Jesus is the Son of God. He, he knows he's not going to get this response, but I think it's a story we have to learn for today. He's looking for these religious people to renew their relationship with God, but they seem to be more concerned about their religious activities and their religious habits than they are about relationship with God. See, one thing we know about Jesus is he didn't come to just be a patch job on our habits. Jesus didn't come to just patch up the holes for these Pharisees. Think of like extreme home makeover. Jesus didn't come to just make over a house. He didn't come to just make over your life. He came to completely change it and to make it brand new, completely different. Not a bit of the old, right? The old is gone and the new has come. Jesus says, man, I came to make things brand new, a new creation. Look at verse 36 through 38, if you would. Just kind of browse all through there. How many times do you see the word new? Look at this. It's like no one tears a patch. New garment, new, but also the piece from the old, right? You go new wine, new wine, this, that, right? You just go through it. When the Bible gets repetitious, folks, that's when we need to dial in and our ears need to perk up a bit and listen to what God is trying to say. He mentions the word new. How many times does Jesus himself say it? Verse 37, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Wineskins were made usually from like a, a goat, usually some type of animal in that culture, but usually a goat. And over time, the wineskin would get old, it would wear out, it would get brittle, and it would crack, it would spill, it would ruin the wine in essence. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will spill and the skins will be ruined. Verse 38, no new wine is put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, old wine, wants new because he says the old is better. When we try to mix something new spiritually, this new thing that God wants to do in your life, when we try to mix the old and hang on to the old, you're not going to actually make it any better, but without realizing it, you just might make this new thing much worse. Maybe church has become mundane, routine, just the same old thing, the religious thing to do, and less about the relationship you have with Jesus. I would say like this from this verse, I want to emphasize this. Jesus is not to be the add-on. He's not to be the old wine traditions. He's not to do be what we used to do. He's not supposed to fill the gaps or the holes. He's not the addition, but he is the main thing. He's not the add-on. He is the centerpiece. He is not sitting around the outside of the table hanging out with the group. He is the main event. He is the middle of the conversation. He is the middle of the table. I love this quote from Pastor Tony Evans. He says this, Don't go to church because it's Sunday. Check this out. I love this. Go to church to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It just happens to be done on a Sunday. Right? Amen to that, right? When the relationship with Jesus is right, it's interesting how much obedient, how easy it is to follow Jesus when the relationship is right, right? 
when the relationship is right, when our heart attitude is right, we don't follow the rules and the things that Jesus talks about, right? Because we have to. We follow it because we want to, because we are just ready to. Jesus is always looking for our hearts. So as we get ready to wrap this up today, this key to fasting, we're kicking it off tomorrow. I want you to pray, like maybe it's 14 days for you, maybe it's seven days of something, maybe it's three days of something, however we work it. But the key to fasting isn't to draw attention to yourself, but to seek God, right? And as you do, there's this story in the, and, and I might use this next week, we're going to continue this, this topic, but Jesus talks about when you fast, how to do it, because he was working with a bunch of knuckleheads. These Pharisees, let's just say it like that, Charles Barkley style, they were knuckleheads, right? They made fasting a two-day thing, they would tell everybody about it, they would, they would, you know, dishevel their hair, they would look dirty. Jesus says, when you fast, brush your hair, take a bath, smell good. Right? There's a scripture, Jesus says, brush your teeth. Right? He says, don't, don't look the part, don't show everybody how miserable you are. But when you fast, talk to God about it, pray about it, don't let anyone know you're fasting. And when God sees what you do in secret, oh, watch out now. We're going to talk about this verse next week. But Jesus was dealing with these guys that they were fasting, but their heart behind fasting wasn't to really please God. It was to show everybody how dedicated they were, how good they were, how much better they were than the scum and the sinful tax collectors. Our prayer for you during this 21 days of prayer and fasting is that you not only experience a deeper walk with God, but you experience intimacy, a deeper sense of connection and intimacy with God. You know, in our country, I want to close with this. We, we, we are blessed, and, and, and I, I, I mean, gosh, I've visited other countries, and there's nothing like America, is there? I'm sorry, there's just not. I mean, I get to, I get to an airport in Houston, when I've traveled to Belize or somewhere in Central America, I get to the airport and I'm like, thank you, God, for our airports, right? I love our airports. They just smell like the United States, right? Something about them, just, oh, it's glorious, right? They're just clean. There's something about them. Right? I don't care what airport it is. It's the United States, and it's wonderful. But in our America, Americanized religion in America, we also have, man, we've Americanized church a little bit. We've made it so that at times, right, we come to church, we attend, we do our thing, but we don't necessarily put God in the right place that he deserves, even though we attend and we go, right? We don't always separate the dirty and the profane and the common from what is holy. And there's one thing about our God, folks, is he is holy. I want to use this example as we close today as an illustration that might make this distinction clear and that's my desire over 21 days is that we put God in his rightful position right how many of you um, like if we think about think about what's dirty what's common and what is holy I want to use a little illustration and, and some of us can can agree with this or we can relate to this how many of us have ever had dirty dishes in the sink right Husbands, you want some marriage advice? Do the dishes as often as possible, and it will go well for you, right? Amen is right, right? But that's a marriage. We'll teach that later at the marriage series or something. I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, if, if, if you had a guest over, 
you would never serve anybody something dirty out of your sink. You would never serve food on a plate that you just, you know, I pulled this out, it's got some old macaroni stains on it, and I'm going to put your cheeseburger on it. Enjoy. You would never serve somebody something that is dirty, profane, unacceptable, hasn't been cleaned. And yet there are things in our lives that are totally unacceptable to God that we haven't allowed him to clean up and we bring this dirtiness before him. Well, there's other kind of dishes in your house too, right? There's the, the one I like is the cereal bowl. The common dishes. How many of us have common, normal cups of coffee, right? You got your Keurig, you got your normal coffee mug, got your cereal bowls, got your butter knife. There's nothing wrong with your cereal bowl. But can we say it like this? It's very common. There's absolutely nothing special about your cereal bowls or my cereal bowls or any of us all cereal bowls, right? But they're not special. And if we aren't careful, I'm joking a little bit, but I think this is the place where we most often have Americanized religion, and this is where we have placed God the most often. Maybe there's some areas where we put him in this, we, we try to mix him with the dirty category, but more often than not, we're guilty of putting him in the commonplace category. Because we, we use terms and we say things, it's the easiest place in America to put God, to place him as just something that's common. You just do it and you spend time with him when you feel like it. You, you, he, he, he's my homeboy, he's my friend. He's limited in power. It's, not, you know, it's, just, it's, it's my special relationship. Jesus is my homeboy. I just want to hang out with him whenever it's convenient and whatever works for you seems to be the message culturally that we like to put him in. He's just common, but he can't be my king. And when we treat God with merely just the sense of common like an everyday thing, we aren't holding, holding him in this, this high regard that he deserves. I remember when I was a kid, and, and I don't know if you guys, maybe you have this still at your house. I think one of my family members does. We had this hutch, and you would go down the steps when I was growing up, and you'd go down into this dining room, right? And inside this dining room was this hutch, and there was a glass um, a cabinet that you had to open up these cupboards. It was the one room where my dad, we, 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 weren't, we weren't allowed to throw the ball in the house. My parents were pretty cool. They let us throw the ball in the house, but not in this room. We had these dishes. And, and, and I don't know how many people do this anymore, right? This seemed to be a thing back in the day. But they were dishes that were used for occasion. Maybe once a year. Twice a year, if that, in our house. It was very rare that we would break out these china dishes from the china cabinet in the dining room. They were used on special occasions for special people. Because they were not common. Well, as we talk about our relationship with God over the next 21 days, as we fast, I want to implore you to treat God as such. Employ to treat God as he deserves, to treat him like he is like no one else in your life, to treat him like he is the Holy One. When you get alone and when you pray and when you honor him and when you talk to him and you have intimacy with him, that we relate to him and you worship him like he is unique. Like he is one of a kind, like he is the king of kings, that he is king of his kingdom, that his reign and rule is what you want to see take place in your life and in your community and in your church and in your country during this 21 days of fast as we kick off 2022. Because he deserves to be treated like no one else, folks, right? He deserves 
only the best because he is unique and so over the next 21 days that is our prayer for you that we treat him like he is the best of the best let's bow our heads let's pray god we love you we thank you for this time lord we come to you today and we ask for a fresh start god we know there's things that we need to accept responsibility for but lord i would just say this because i often relate to them far more than i relate to you God, forgive me for when my mind thinks just like the Pharisees. God, forgive me when my heart acts more like them. And I put labels on people, then I think of them as sinners and scum. God, help me be broken and humble like that tax collector. God, Matthew knew he messed up. God, remind me during the next 21 days, perhaps, of where I've treated you like common. Perhaps of where I've treated you like just something that's just, you know, just commonplace. Heavenly Father, help me to empty myself so that I can be filled with your Holy Spirit. I commit these next 21 days of prayer and fasting to you. God, I want to see you do something in this new year. God, I want to act in faith in 2022. Here's a question I have for you as we close. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just been far away from God, you've never committed your life to Jesus, or you feel like you need a sense of renewal <coughs> because you've been far from Him. If you need renewal in your life, if you need a relationship with Jesus in your life, would you pray this with me right now? You can lift your eyes, you can lift your hands, but church, can we pray this prayer this morning together? Jesus, I open up my life to you. I ask you to be my Savior. God, forgive me and guide me. I believe you went to that cross to take my shame. I believe you died. You were buried. And you rose again. And I believe you're sitting on the throne next to God in heaven making a way for me today. So God, help me to focus my life on your word. Help me to trust in you. God, thank you for the blessing, the opportunity you've given me that I can look for and pray for a fresh start. God, I invite you to come and be in charge of my life. In Jesus' holy name. Can we say amen? Amen. God, we love you. We praise you. <coughs> Before we go today, I want to remind, encourage you with those four things. This is what I want you to, I want you to work for, work towards. We're going to start 21 days prayer and fasting. But God, uh, church, first thing, put God first in your day. Seek Him in the day. Put God first in your week. That's what we're going to do. We're going to put God first this year in our week. Whether we can watch online, we can't make it here or not, that's okay. You can put God first in your week. Put God first in your month. We're going to tithe. We're going to be people who give. We're going to be people who trust in Him in every area. You want to see God move? Trust in Him in every area. Don't limit Him. And number four, seek God first in your year as we begin this fast tomorrow. Amen? God bless you. Let's have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll be posting messages. I want to hear stories. If you've got different stories, email Pastor Jen. Talk to Sean Stafford. We're going to be posting some things online. We want to hear uh, what goes on during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
God bless you. Give someone a, a, a hug or a distance wave as you take off today. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.